Welcome to Murderous Mermaids with Martinis, a podcast discussing all things horror. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Angie. And uh, spoiler alert. Most of the titles we'll be discussing are relatively well known, but just in case you haven't seen any of the films or television shows that we'll be discussing, we're going to make sure we put uh, the titles in all of our episodes so that you have been forewarned. You have been forewarned. Something Wicked This Way comes in this week's uh, episode where we talk about the witch. And I don't have too much to add to this intro because as a um, Britney Spears fan, I think that you have something that is very pressing to share. Yes, this is important information that everyone needs to know. So our previous week uh, podcast episode talked about music videos and the horror genre. And we talked about Michael Jackson's Thriller. And I found out after we recorded last week's episode that Britney Spears has recorded a performance art uh, recitation of Thriller in a video segment you can find on YouTube called Britney Witch, where she uses her classic phrase, Britney Bitch, updated for the horror genre where she says, it's Britney Witch, which has nothing in clear connection with the witches we'll be talking about in The Witch, but very important witch knowledge that all people interested in witches should know about. Thank you for enlightening us. I know, you can sleep better at night now. (laughs) So 2015's uh, The Witch, to my mind, qualifies as like art horror. Like it's very artfully considered, uh, slower paced. It's not the type of campy uh, like slasher horror film that tries to hook you with a lot of fast paced action. Um, but it's, it's from 2015, but relatively new to streaming platforms. Um, this is actually one of my favorite films from the um, past couple years. Yeah, it, it's a well-done film. It wasn't what I expected when I went to see it in theaters. Um, I expected the traditional witch and the, like the Salem witch trials type of picturesque type, you know, persecution and... I just had this whole different image. I really didn't read anything about it before I went and saw it. I just knew it was going to be about the witch. And I had all these perceptions and preconceived notions of what that might mean. So I was surprised by the film. I liked the film. And I really had a lot of empathy for the main character. They developed that very early on and I was rooting for her the whole time. And I'm glad that she survived. Yes, she does survive. Um, I also avoided seeing spoilers or reviews of this one because um, I I have noticed that when I look at advanced reviews, sometimes it sets up an expectation that then I get disappointed. So I was pleasantly surprised by this one because I went in with zero expectations and I was intrigued from the title um, rendering the, the witch in um, old typography. Um, so it seemed like they were maybe going to try 
dig deeper with trying to recreate that uh, 17th century New England culture. And this is this is one where I think it's not a traditional horror film. It, I don't think it's a, a horror film that if you're looking to, for entertainment, you will like. Um, I saw it in a theater and there was a group of um, younger people next to me who uh, really hated the end of this film. Mm. Like they felt pissed off that they had wasted their time watching it. The end of the film is great. Like they were, <laughs> She's victorious. I, She's I think, free. I think the <laughs> one woman uh, in the group said like, what just happened? That was so stupid. <laughs> So I get that it might not be everyone's cup of tea, um, but I thought it was a really uh, interesting way of trying to recreate the paranoia of colonial Puritan culture um, and get away from like the crucible version of things, which really says more about like the 20th century's reinterpretation than the, the Salem witch trial period. And the thing that stood out to me is how it's a movie that was really invested in showing, like, the first person we see when the camera opens is Thomason. Mm-hmm. Um, she's also the last face that we see. So it introduces, like, her story arc as being sort of, I guess, the most significant. Um, and, like, how she goes from being fearful to surviving and maybe empowered at the end. But I like how it used the... Um, the the Puritan culture of looking for signs in the wilderness, mm-hmm. um, so it I think it it gets a lot of plot mileage out of the Puritan notion of predestination that they don't know if they're saved or damned they have to look for the signs around them and she's seeing all these signs that she is interpreting um, a, in a very particular way that doesn't reflect well on her because of the pressure of her society and her family like. She drops the the egg and like the baby chicken embryo is bloody. She tries to milk the goat and it's bloody. So like she's getting all of these visual signs that she's in like a paranoid culture that makes her think the worst. Mm-hmm. Well, and they really don't have any other way to explain what's going on other than it must be evil or good. Like there's no gray areas for them it's everything's evil or good good or evil there's so if you see blood that's always associated negative and evil there's no like oh well there's an illness or oh there's you know so Mm -hmm. it's very black and white and there's not many different ways that they're able to interpret the signs around them Mm -hmm. so anything that isn't you know bountiful or or plentiful or any kind of strife or suffering is considered evil or they've done something to bring this evil on themselves and a lot of guilt and shame and self-blame comes with that and we see that in very early on in the girl Tomlinson and her family just continually feeds that yeah what what I thought was um interesting about the film though is the family is exiled because of the father mm-hmm but the uh, I guess the guilting shifts so quickly to the oldest daughter. It's easy to lose sight of that. 
um, and how often the father is the one that's creating a lot of the the conflict within the household itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that the film didn't give us a really clear rationale as for why the family was exiled, but it's somehow linked to the father's preaching mm-hmm. and um, whether or not like he's um, not authorized to do so, or if there's something considered blasphemous about what he is, is preaching, we never get those details. But it's made very clear that the, as the head of the household, he is the one that has jeopardized his family's livelihood. Mm-hmm. And the daughter calls him out on all this near the end. She's like, you're the one that got us kicked out of the colony. You're the one that took uh, Caleb and, is it Caleb? The, yeah, into the woods. Into the mm-hmm. woods the first time. You're the one that, like, she goes through all these things, like the silver cup that you let mother hate me for that was actually Mm -hmm. you. She calls him out on all of his wrongdoing, and rather than internalizing that, he reflects it right back onto her, and then... She must be a witch. She must be a witch. You know, that evil is coming from her tongue by by saying these things to me, even though she's speaking the truth. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's very interesting to me that... um, when we're introduced to her, she is probably the most pious of all of the family. Yes. The the twins are clearly evil. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> clearly <terrible> evil children. <laughs> <laughs> um, the baby's fine, but you know it's because it's a baby; can't really do anything yet. The mother is very spiteful and and hardened and even hateful in some ways. The father um, tells lies and has done something like you mentioned in the colony to to be kicked out so everyone has some sort of um sin if you will but the daughter she doesn't seem to have any of that she seems to be the most pious but she acknowledges everything that she does wrong so we see her um in this prayer saying you know i've played on the sabbath i've thought things i shouldn't be thinking and she acknowledges all of the things that she considers to be wrongdoing asks for forgiveness, acknowledges that she doesn't even deserve forgiveness, she takes on the most pious role, which may make her the biggest target for Satan because she's challenging Satan in a way by being this pious. Yeah, I think the title of the film is interesting because it's called The Witch, not The Witches or Witch or Witches. Um, And... I think I think that's interesting because the movie makes it clear early on that there is a woman who lives in the woods that we're supposed to read as if not being a witch is very witch-like because mm-hmm. we see her as snatching the baby brother and using his blood to possibly transform her external appearance. Um, and we see her take Caleb, the brother, later in the film. So the film, I think, wants us to believe that she exists as a character out in these woods. Um, but I don't think the film title refers to her. Mm-mm. I think the film's title refers to Thomason and her journey on becoming the witch. Mm-hmm. That okay. she's accused of being and then finally em- embracing that. Yeah. So um, are you familiar with the term hyperstition? Mm-hmm. So I feel like this film is all about that in some ways. When she says her prayer and she says, I deserve misery, I deserve, you know, mm-hmm. suffering, I, I don't deserve goodness. She's 
put this ideal out into the world and basically allows it to become true. And then at one point she even, you know, tells her sister, you know, I am a witch, I am the witch, and I will eat you, and I will do these things. And just putting that out there like that into the world has in effect made it come true for her. Except for she doesn't eat those twins. She doesn't. They are spirited away, apparently. We don't see what happens to them. <laughs> so we're to believe, I think, that the blood of innocence somehow allows witches to fly because that's, she takes, the witch takes the little baby and then she uses his blood to be able to fly in the beginning. And so at the end, when we see all the witches flying and there's this huge bonfire, we don't know what happened to the twins. I'm thinking that maybe they have used the twins' blood to for be, some reason to be able to. All of them are now able to to fly, and and um, the daughter is is also flying and covered in blood, which we maybe presume was her mother's blood. But it's, I didn't see the blood as enabling them to fly. I'd have to rewatch those scenes. Yeah, because when the baby is taken and then she uses his blood and smears it all over her body, then the next image of her is actually flying. Really? Because I thought the next image of her was when she takes Caleb in the woods and she's, like, younger looking. No, there's an image of her flying with the full moon behind her after oh, she Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. So I think we're to link the, the innocent blood with the act of flying. Huh. Well, it's definitely linked as like some kind of ingredient for their witchly pursuits. <laughs> um, yeah, what I thought was uh, also interesting about uh, this film is how the brother's interaction with the witch in the forest plays out and how the family sees his bewitchment in a very different light than um, the possibility of Thomason being bewitched. Um, I thought it was uh, interesting use of apple imagery too, because the um, the the son lies to the mom that they were going in the woods to look for apples, mm-hmm. and then he spits up an apple uh, after his uh, encounter with the witch, which the family reads as proof of his bewitchment. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is. I don't know. I feel like the way his death is handled, um, it's a it's a big moment of grief for the family, and um, they don't question quite as much like his his complicity uh, with the witch. Mm-hmm. He was or a any clear point. victim. He was a clear victim, which I think is something that as audience members we're supposed to question because we get at least two point of view shots of him ogling his sister's chest Mm -hmm. and sexualizing her um and not admitting it Mm -hmm. and like apple as like this the the symbol of like temptation right seems telling in connection to him Mm -hmm. yeah and they blame all of that on on the daughter yeah even his even his shortcomings of going in the woods when he's not supposed all of his bad decisions all they reflect back onto her Mm -hmm. and even the twins when they are doing bad things 
or not behaving. They reflect it back on the oldest daughter. And it's interesting, again, to me, because she seems to be the most pious of all of them and has the the least, you know, if she does do something wrong, she acknowledges and admits, you know, and, and takes you know, accepts like, yes, I did this thing I shouldn't have done. Mm-hmm. You know, I want forgiveness where none of the other family members do that. It almost seems like, I don't know if it, if jealousy is the right word or like they can't deal with the fact that she's so good. So they have to make her worse than them. Mm-hmm. So do you think the end of the film, we're supposed to interpret it as tragic that she becomes the witch because she has succumbed to like the the social pressure and her family telling her that or do you see it as like this is a good thing for her she might as well get some power from this and embrace this I felt so the first time I watched it I kind of felt bad for her like I thought oh she's lost her whole family and she's she has no one left now she's in the woods and now she has this whole darkness about her with with the witches and I thought oh that's really sad and tragic and you know poor her you know she could have you know gotten married and had a great family and had a good life and then the second time I watched I was like good for her like (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad she's not being locked into this you know, family dynamic, and I'm glad she has this sense of freedom, and she's laughing, and she actually, for the first time in the whole film, smiles and looks happy. Yeah, that's true. Like, it, it she seemed um, liberated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt like the film was suggesting that we should see this, this is a, a good thing for her mm-hmm. at this particular moment. Um, but I think that potential for lack of a better term, happy ending, is tempered by the audience knowing the reality that the community that she lives in would not find this acceptable. Because mm-hmm. we get, like, I think the father says to her several times, like, you're going to be tried for witchcraft, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and clearly that's not a very good thing <laughs> for, for, for her uh, in, in this, this context. So... Um, I think it's like it's cautiously optimistic. Um, I also thought it was interesting how we see that it's this uh, witch that lives in the woods that is behind the baby Samuel disappearing and what I guess results in the death of the brother Caleb. Um, but the the mother's response is to immediately say that it must be Indian magic. Oh yeah, I do remember her saying that. And. Uh, goes with another way of like scapegoating and demonizing and othering um so i don't know i I think the the film does a good job of uh showing how the mother's visceral response and you know explanation and jumping to things doesn't match the reality at all Mm -hmm. even though it's a film that is using the premise that the supernatural exists and functions in this world um it sort of shuts down the mom's sort of racist assumption about what's behind her family's failures Mm -hmm. well she i think it makes it clear she never even wanted to leave england yes (laughs) yes 
So she's had this bitterness and hatred and probably festering for quite some time. Mm -hmm. And then to be kicked out of the colony and living in the middle of nowhere, basically, and not enough food, never knowing if you're going to be able to, you know, care for your children as far as taking care of them. (laughs) I, I imagine the hardships that would bring on to a mother who at one point had everything. Mm-hmm. And that's a very, um, very stark thing to think about as a parent. Like, I'm not going to be able to ensure the safety of my children. I'm not going to be able to feed them. I'm not going to be able to, you know, do the things that I am called to do as a mother as society sees mm-hmm. me. So I think a lot of it might just be her lashing out at her own shortcomings like she Mm -hmm. has no control so this this is a way of explaining the lack of control in her life do you think it's significant that the baby that disappears is the child that's born outside of the the plantation's boundaries Hmm. i hadn't thought about that because when they're uh i guess getting their sentencing at the beginning they keep emphasizing her pregnant belly Mm mm-hmm so, presumably, she's given birth once they have, I guess, made their way to their, their exiled uh, homestead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't even thought about that. Hmm. But then they take Caleb, and he doesn't remember living in England. So the it seems like, I, I'm just thinking about, like, the baby remember knows nothing. Uh, Caleb only knows America, the colony, and now the wilderness. And Thomas Thomason knows from the beginning, from England to the colony to the to the plantation homestead, whatever. So she has a more, um, I guess you would call it worldly view. That mm, she has access to both family experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just, it just seemed significant that the, the child that disappears into the wilderness is a child that's born in what the Puritan characters call the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Um, I also thought that the, the film does a really good job of um, making those twins terrifying. <laughs> I am still really wondering if that little Mercy was she's a the, witch. She's the real witch. She's the witch. <laughs> she probably took the baby, delivered it to the witch in the wilderness. I'm just, I have all kinds of theories about her. You don't trust her. I would not trust her. <laughs> so are you suspicious of small children that hang out with goats now? Only black Philip goats. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that with the Black Phillip goat story that um, we see the twins singing to him, uh, whispering to him, and claiming to hear the goat whisper back. And when Thomason decides to speak to the goat and he supposedly speaks back to her, we never see the goat Mm -hmm. at that point. The camera shot is just on her face and we, we hear a disembodied voice. So I feel like it's a way of um, 
opening the possibility of is she hearing things Mm. well she might have had a little break in reality after you know killing her mother and seeing the (laughs) seemed like an act of (laughs) self-defense death and destruction of her entire family she might have been a little uh had a little break in reality you know possible Anyway, I think the the witch is an interesting uh, historical set uh, horror film that uh, I don't know has a very un- unexpected way of unfolding the story, and um, I think is also a good example of a film that is um, maybe using the horror genre to provide a, a little bit of commentary and critique of a. The colonial enterprise too mm-hmm. and being a witch could be as simple as you know calling your dad out on the truth <laughs> i personally am thankful that i don't live during that time period because i'm pretty sure i would be considered a witch with my affinity for speaking to cats <laughs> <laughs> do they talk back yeah of course <laughs> in meows <laughs> recommend this one definitely thanks for listening and join us next week for another horror discussion and another martini sounds good